important that whenever they give you something or purchase something, they add 18 cents to that so that uh, in, in, to the, in the Hebrew culture, the, num the number 18 means life. And uh, so we're going to see God do some great things in 2018. If you're in recovery, uh, you will remain clean in 2018. If you're pursuing the things of God, Jesus can be seen in 2018. I had about 12, but I lost a list. But anyway, however you, however you mandate, what have you, what have you declare, whatever you determine. As Pastor Rhonda mentioned, Gary, it's always a joy have have you in the house. We've been worried about you, praying for you. And uh, you know what? I, I'm, I'll give him a minute to, uh, to know I'm talking to him. I, I'd like, uh, I need about, I need about, Gary, I'm going to have about four or five that's received a miracle this year to come and pray for you. If you've been healed this year, you were sick, you're, you're healed, God healed you, I want you to stand, and I want you to go and stand right behind, right behind Gary. God answered a prayer for you this, this 2017. Where are you? I want you to go, and uh, we're going to pray. Um, the, the enemy has reaped havoc in his body. He, he needs a miracle from God. It's kept him out of church for three months. This family does not miss church. This family has been a part of this church for 25 years, and they love church. They love the house of God. He's not been able to function. We really need a miracle today. So if you'll agree with me, Father, in the name of Jesus, touch this precious lamb, touch this precious son, touch this man of God that loves you, that's faithful, that has served you for years and years and years. He's a survival handicap. He survived handicaps, and he needs a miracle in his physical body. Strengthen him. Heal him. We command this body in the name of Jesus to come in line with the word of God. The word of God declares that with his stripes you are healed. And we thank you for that healing. We praise you for that healing. We worship you for that healing. And we give you all praise and all glory and all honor. In the name of Jesus, and they all said, amen, amen. We're going to expect uh, Gary to get stronger and healthier and uh, loves the Lord. It's always a joy uh, to see him. 2018, interesting, we step into, and it's hard to believe almost a week is already gone. It's already gone. And uh, some challenges that I, I uh, put upon myself this year, the next 21 days, I feel like the Lord spoke to me a few minutes ago and told me not only to fast a meal a day, but to take the money I would spend on that meal and sow it into the homeless uh, ministry. Right now, we are in dire need of extra-large jackets, extra-large coats, and uh, we are in need, and this might sound funny, but we are in need of uh, medium to small boxers. We need several pair of boxers. I know you're going to run right out and get the three-pack. And uh, we're also in, in need of socks. And so that's for the homeless shelter that uh, we are a part of. Uh, they came by. The, we've already been able to take a large box of uh, Chips Ahoy that were, they need snacks that are individually wrapped. So if uh, you can bring anything of that nature, we'll make sure they get it. And uh, they're looking for some volunteers. Just the, the, the shelter opens at 5, and they're fed a hot meal, and they have board games and TV, and they have a place there to fellowship. There's a place, obviously, to take a shower and to change clothes. And then by 7 the next morning, they have to be out of the shelter. 
And so um, they're looking for volunteers to just go and sit and visit and fellowship. If you'd like to talk, this is this is your this is your moment to to shine. Uh, if you'd like to make fudge or cookies, this is your moment to shine. And anything you do to them, you're doing to Jesus. He said, I was hungry, you fed me. I was naked, you clothed me. What better way to be involved in ministry than take coats and socks and underwear and food to uh, people that has had a tough time? And uh, we don't know why they're where they're at, but hopefully they'll see the love of God through us, and it will motivate them to uh, realize they're not alone, that somebody cares, and they can make a difference in their life, which is kind of my theme or thought today if you go with me to Genesis, the second chapter. Uh, my thought today, or my theme today, is simply, it might be, look at your neighbor and say, it might be your time. This could be your day. This could be your season. The past couple of weeks has been quoted twice, Ecclesiastes 3, to, to everything there is a time, and a time to every purpose unto heaven to everything there is a time and a purpose to under everything under heaven there's a very good possibility that this could be your time i don't know that i have ever uh used this text i don't know that i've that this has ever been uh a thought or a theme but the lord has impressed this upon me the past couple of weeks that we talked about a bump in the road god knowing that you would go through stuff he still called you. he's not sorry that he called you the call is still there. The anointing is still there. Uh, Moses spent 40 years in Pharaoh's court thinking he was somebody. He committed murder, spent 40 years in the wilderness realizing he was nobody. Then he spent the last 40 years of his life realizing that God could take a nobody and make a somebody out of them. Uh, you can't ever say, I'm too old, I'm too this, I'm too that. Colonel Sanders was 67 when he sold his first chicken recipe. and That's history. You know what has happened there. Uh, you're not too young to get involved in the kingdom. Marie Callender worked at a restaurant. They ran out of dessert. She was asked to bake a pie. She went home that night and baked a pie for the restaurant, took it back that next day as a waitress. Uh, the pie sold immediately. She was asked that night to make two pies, and the rest is history. A, a company that's worth millions of dollars, a young lady, just followed a nudge, just followed a an inclination that of a door that, that God provided. We believe that 2018, God is going to open some doors for you. Would that not be neat if God opened some doors that pushed you through some areas that you need to be pushed through? I spent four hours yesterday in a maximum security prison with Pastor John, and we talked a little bit about destiny. We talked about, and I asked him, if you could change the prison system, what would you do? What are some things that you would do? And some powerful ideas. Those of you that have been with us a while, you know we're very involved in uh, prison ministry, the Lord did use um, this house. The Lord did use your pastor to uh, go to uh, VOE, and in the four prisons that Paris, that uh, Pastor John has been to in the past 17 years, all four of those prisons. If you go into the library, there'll be two shelves of uh, Perry Stone, all of his teaching, all of his books, all of his videos, all of his DVDs. Four prisons in Kentucky have those those elements in there because somebody opened a door, because somebody made an effort to push it through. I try to go to prison uh, three or four times a year. It's a, it's a long journey. Uh, it's a commitment. But uh, the Lord said, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. And when I was in prison, you came 
and visited me. So all the things that God has called us to do in the last days, this church is involved in, and hopefully we will continue in 2018 to do even more as resources, and God allows us to do that. If you'll look at verse 4 of Genesis 2, these are the records of the heavens and the earth concerning their creation at the time that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. No shrub in the field had yet grown on the land, and no plant on the field had not yet sprouted, for the Lord God hath not made it rain on the land, and there was no man to work the land. And there was no man to work the land. What a statement that God is looking for a man to work the land. What a statement that God is looking for a man or a woman to be used by him in a great, incredible, phenomenal way. And I believe today, and I will serve notice on you, God is looking for you. God does not care where you're at. God does not care where you've been. God does not care what's going on in your life. God can do everything he needs to do to make you a candidate to be involved in the kingdom and to do all that God has called you to do. You can't disqualify yourself. You can't discredit yourself. God has a way of selecting losers and turning them into winners. And I'm not calling you a loser today, but you might be calling yourself a loser. You may tell yourself, I can't do that. I can't go there. I can't speak that. I can't be that. You don't know what you can be until you find a place that God touches you and inspires you and moves you out of the rut that you're in onto a road that leads to his success, his favor, and his blessing. Do I have a friend in the house today? God did not have a man, so God made man. And God, made, God created man, and God made woman, and God put them in the garden to have dominion, to rule. They had the rule, the, rule, the dominion over the fish of the sea. Did man have the ability to walk on the floor of the ocean? Probably. He made man to rule over the fowl of the air. Did man have the ability to fly? Probably. I don't see God making something and placing man over it and allowing that thing to have more dominion than man. Do you have a friend in the house? The Garden of Eden was 800 miles wide, 1,200 miles long. How did Adam and Eve get to one end of the garden to the other? They either, they either traveled by thought or they traveled by flying. And what a cool thought that would be that there's a day coming when we're going to be in the presence of God and we're going to travel by thought. We think about a place we're going to be there. Or we travel by flying. Wouldn't it be neat to be like a bird and to fly? Have you ever just felt how great, wonderful that would be? On Facebook, I see these, these, these man kites, I guess is what they're called, and they jump off this cliff, and, and they go, now, that's not my idea of a good time, but I'd like to watch you do it. That would be my idea of a good time, so make watch iced tea. I told somebody yesterday, I have no desire to climb Mount Everest, none whatsoever. I hate cold. I, I, I detest the cold. I'd rather be hot and sweaty than cold and shivering. It's just, I'm from Southern California. That's the way that I roll. But I would not, I don't want to climb Mount Everest. I have no desire, but I would like to go to the base camp at, 50, at 15,000 feet. And I'd like, to, I'd like to stay there a couple of days and look at the mountain and drink coffee while I'm looking at the mountain, surrounded by a fire and people that love me and care about me, that won't abandon me or do mean things to me in the cold. Uh, that's, that's something that, that I would like to do. But God created Adam and Eve to have dominion over the world. You know the challenge, the lust of the eyes. They saw the fruit was good. 
the lust of the flesh, they tasted the fruit was good, and the pride of life, they were told that they could be like God if they ate of the fruit, and you know the rest of the story in disobedience, and, and you see the punishment and the judgment that came, but God had a family, and God has raised up a house, and there are people today from the loins of Adam and Eve that God is using, God is blessing, and God wants to turn their life, turn their things around. Last week, we talked about Gideon, incredible story. Gideon reminds me of a lot of us. He was working from paycheck to paycheck. He was in fear of losing his job. Uh, he was discouraged. He was depressed. He was, uh, what, what's the, what's the, busted, uh, broke, busted, and disgusted, uh, all those things. That's where he was. And the angel appears to Gideon and says, Thou mighty man of valor, you know the story. Gideon said, I'm not a mighty man of valor. I'm hiding. I'm cowering. I'm, I'm in fear for my life. I'm in fear for my family. I've got a, just a little for us to eat, and, and I don't know what I'm going to do after that. And God told Gideon that he was going to use him, and God was going to make a way where there seemeth no way. If you go with me to Judges, the sixth chapter, there's a few verses that I, I, wanted, I wanted to read. Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 4, 5, 6. I wrote down here verse 11. And I want to bring something to your attention. Most of us, last week, we talked about the fleece that Gideon asked God, if, if you're going to use me to deliver to the people, I want a sign. I want to put a fleece on the ground in the morning. I want the fleece to be wet, and I want the ground to be dry. And he got up the next morning. Not only was the fleece wet, but he, he squeezed the fleece enough to get a cup of water. What did he do with it? I like to think he drank it. I would like to think there was something special about that, that there was something special about that moment. There was no rain because God did not have a man to work the land. Those of you that know me, you know that uh, I've, at times, it didn't look very good this year, but at times I got about anywhere from 30 to 40 perennials that bloom in my garden. Uh, they begin, actually the crocus will start blooming in February, and then I'll have irises bloom all the way through November at any given time during the summer you can go out in my garden and you can find anywhere from 20 to 30 different perennials in full bloom it's just something that I enjoy doing I don't enjoy pulling the weeds but I enjoy Pastor Ron looking out the window and saying your garden looks awesome and that is motivation enough for me to go and pull the weeds but I have learned I can water that garden every single day I can turn the sprinkler on I can put the soak hoses out I can water that garden, and it will survive. But the day after it rains, there's a miracle that takes place. The day after that rain hits that dirt and hits that, hits that soil and hits that flower, it begins to bloom, and it begins to, it begins to multiply, and it begins to grow, go green. Uh, this year, my goal is to put a rain barrel that will collect the water as it falls off the, the roof, and that way I can take a one-gallon container and I can individually water the plants during the summer when there is no rain. Rain causes things to grow, and God wants things to grow in your life. The Bible said that, that not a shrub had been produced, not a tree had been reproduced because there was no rain, because God didn't have a man or a woman to work the land, to work the fruit, to be blessed by all the things that God provided. You know that God placed them in a garden and God placed him over that garden, but there was no rain. There was the dew that came up from the earth. 
The same dew that came up from the earth that watered the Garden of Eden is the same dew that came up from the earth and made Gideon's fleece wet. The ground remained dry. I'm here to tell you, you can be in an environment of darkness. You can be in an environment of, of, of negativity. You can be in an environment of criticism, but you can flourish in that place. You can, your, your, your environment might, might be a tough place, but God can bless you right where you are, and God can touch you, and God can use you no matter what the circumstances are in your life. And you can be in a place where God can change your environment. God can bring people into your life that are good for you, that encourage you, that bless you, that begin to speak life and hope and peace over you. I remember when, um, when Pastor Rhonda left, I weighed 119 pounds. I was shooting coke between my toes because I didn't want my contractors to know that I was using. I was addicted to hash. I was addicted to peyote. I was addicted to all that junk. And I remember that when God touched me, he delivered me that night. I never did another drug. I never had any withdrawals. Uh, but my brother asked me to go with him to a place called Adam and Eve. It was a co-ed. It was a co-help me. Uh, it was a uh, guys and girls workout. One of the best in California. I worked out with Lou Ferrigno. I met Arnold uh, one day there. But uh, when I went the very first time, I went to play racquetball. And Donnie, I played about 10 minutes, and then I found myself in the bathroom regurgitating because I was so out of shape. I was so messed up. Uh, I, I, was, I was puny. I was weak. But something happened that day. I made a decision that I was going to get healthy. And uh, because the job that I had, it allowed me to uh, go and work out every single day. And I went from 119 to 170. I remember there was a window in my life, the bar that weighed 45 pounds. I couldn't even curl the bar uh, that's how puny I was. But about seven months into working out, it was my goal to bench press 300 pounds. There's a mental, there's a mental block at 300. It's, it's a goal that a lot of weightlifters have. But I didn't go out in the next day and bench press 300 pounds. I went out the next day and I bench pressed 135 pounds. And then every couple of days, I started adding weight to it. And then I, then I found myself surrounded by guys who they couldn't do it, but they wanted me to do it. Does that make sense? And so I would be working, I would be doing reps, and I'd try to add weight, and they would get right there in my face, and they would say bad things about my mother, and they would scream at me, and they would cuss me, and they would call me all the, all the, all the, girly, all the girly terms, and they would laugh at me and make fun. And I remember there was a day when, for some reason, Kelly, when they put the weight on there, it didn't weigh 300, it weighed 305. And mentally, I was so psyched out that, that Christy, I told myself, all I've got to do is bench press that five pounds. All I've got to do is bench press that five pounds. And there was a day, one day, I was surrounded by a bunch of big, ugly, mean-looking weightlifters. I told you that I had the privilege of leading four of them to the Lord. Mr. Teenage America went on to win Mr. California, compete Mr. Universe. I had the privilege of Mike McClenahan. I had the privilege of leading him to the Lord. And uh, we would go to my church. And, uh, Michael, we would get there a few minutes late, and we'd get in the lobby and we wore shirts that are about four sizes too small for us. And then we would get in the lobby and do about 100 push-ups. And then we'd walk in late and we'd sit right in the front row. And we told our pastors, listen, if you have anybody that's demon-possessed or out of order, don't worry about it. We can, we can take care of it. We can handle it. And, and so these guys with that mindset, they're all around me. They're all screaming. I took the weight off by myself. I laid it on my chest by myself. And I bench-pressed it one time. Why? Because I changed the environment. I put people around me that believed I could do it. 
Now, they weren't saying all those nice things to motivate me to do it, but that was the world, obviously. But I, but I accomplished that goal because, first of all, I realized I can probably do this. I can probably, I weighed 170, I, I can probably do this. And then I got, I got a bunch of guys around me that they thought I could do it. And they started encouraging me and building me up and screaming at me and hollering at me and yelling at me. And at the rock music playing, it was probably a highway to hell that I bench pressed the weight. I don't know, but the music is rocking. The people are rocking. And, and I did it. It was a, it was a great accomplishment. I never, I never did it again. And uh, right now I have absolutely no <laughs> desire to bench press 305 pounds. If my feet hit the floor and I'm able to bench press myself out of bed every morning, I count it a miracle. I count it all joy. And uh, I know some of you laugh, but it, it's so funny. When you, when you get to be my age, you know you walk, everything's good until it's nighttime. And then when you know there's nothing in the room, you take little baby steps and you lose your equilibrium. And when that, when that happens, I think, well, I could be bench pressing 305 pounds, but I'd probably still stumble and fall. But it, it was something that it, at, that, at that season of my life, it was important to me. To me, it was a slap in the devil's face. The enemy has stolen six years of my life through drugs and alcohol and that lifestyle. And I was determined to get it back. And that was a physical, or that was a physical marker in my life that let me know that I was clean, I was healthy, and I would never do drugs again. And so when you go to a, a place where you decide to be what God has called you to do and do what God has called you to do, surround yourself with people that are encouraging you. The sons of Barnabas in the New Testament, they were sons of encouragement. They encouraged the early, the early church. They bragged on you. They built you up. They spoke things over you that you didn't know was possible. But if God says to you, you're a mighty man of valor, you're a mighty woman of valor, then if you believe any other report, believe the report of the Lord and know that you really can do all things through Christ, which strengthens you. I mentioned last week, aim small, miss small, small things. I am in this 21-day challenge. I'm going to memorize a scripture a day. Uh, at one time in my ministry, I committed almost 3,000 scriptures to memory, but through the years of pastoring, I've kind of been, I've kind of been negligent in, in memorizing scripture and finding new scripture and finding new, and new, new, new things to commit to memory. But that's something I want to do. So, so these, these goals that God places in your life is to make you better. He's not going to put something in your life that you can't do, and he's not going to put something in your life that you can't finance. If it's God's will, it's God's bill. If God speak, if God tells you to go somewhere, he's going to provide the, the finances. If God tells you to be something, he's going to provide the teaching tools, the right things to get in your life. Thank God for so many books that tell us how to do so many things. It probably wouldn't hurt to read a book once in a while. It probably wouldn't hurt to make a small list of things you'd like to see accomplished and give yourself a week to do it, then give yourself a month to do it, and then realize if I accomplish this in that amount of time and I accomplish this, then I probably can quit smoking. I can probably lose 15 pounds. I can probably memorize scripture. I could probably go back to school. I could probably get a degree. There are, there are opportunities in life, and we, we have a, uh, a spiritual son. He's in someplace weird, Arizona or Colorado, but uh, he was hired by uh, uh, Life, Life, help me, Life, yeah, Life, Life what? Yeah, Life, is that the big, no, what's the big uh, assistant, Life Care? Uh, he was hired by Life Care to do a job and was paid very well for it until they did a review. And because he didn't have a college, although he was doing the work, 
because he didn't have a college degree. He lost that job. They took that job away from him. Having a bachelor's, having an associate, having a master's opens doors that, that you could not o- open with that education. It's not that, the, it's not that the degree helps you do the job better. It qualifies you to apply for the job. And so maybe, maybe in your heart of hearts you would say, you know, I really would like to get my GED. Go for it. You can do it online. Well, I don't, I don't have a computer. Go to the library. Well, I don't have Wi-Fi. Go to Starbucks. I mean, every, t- every time the enemy tries to put an excuse in your life, God will give you a reason to pursue it. And you really can do, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me, especially if it's his seed that he bursts in my spirit, and I can't get away from it. You know, if, if it's your idea, it'll fade and it'll, it'll go away and it diminish your fine. But when it's God, and I, I want to I make a point right now, that what God wants to do to ignite that passion, to ignite that flame, if you will. Verse 11, and the angel of the Lord came and sat up under the oak, that was an Oprah, which belonged to Joash, the Abiezite. His son Gideon was threshing wheat in the wine vat in order to hide it from the Midianites. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Gideon said to him, please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened? Let me tell you something. It's okay to ask God questions. It's okay to, you're, 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 you're human. It's a right to question God. It's right to ask God why things are going on. And what are the wonders that our fathers are, tell, tell us about? Another thing, it's important to rehearse the miracles in your life. It's important to re- rehearse the stories in your life. The story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, one of the stories I was reading yesterday that to me is probably one of the less talked miracles of the Bible. But when man was trying to pursue God the wrong way, when man was trying to outtake God, outbe God, as Satan did there in the heavens, it was cast. But as man tried to build a tower to reach the heavens, the word says that God came down and watched what they were doing. And God said, these, nothing shall be impossible because these people are united. And so God confused the language. So when they went to work the next day, some of them were speaking Chinese. Some of them were speaking Egyptian. Some of them were speaking Pig Latin. Some of them were speaking all the different languages. They began to find their language. And what it did was it completely stopped the project of trying to build a tower to reach God. God does not want us to build a tower to reach God. God wants to build a road that he can come and reach us. He is looking for us. He needs us. He wants to use us. Let me read just a bit more. Let me go to verse 19. So Gideon went and prepared a young goat unleavened bread from half a bushel of flour. He placed the meat in a basket and the broth in a pot. He brought them out and offered them to him under the oak. This hymn is probably Jesus. This is probably the same one that sat down with Abraham, talked about Sodom and Gomorrah. But he, he went to bring him something to eat. And the angel said to him, take the meat with the unleavened bread, put it on this stone, and pour the broth on it. And he did it. And the angel of the Lord extended the tip of his staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and unleavened bread. Fire came up from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. Then the angel of the Lord disappeared from his sight. I mean, let me paint a picture for you. The angel of the Lord appears unto Gideon. Whether Gideon knew it was an angel or not, we're not sure. Uh, he probably looked, it, it was probably Jesus in the pre-incarnate form. But as the Lord began to instruct Gideon what he was going to do, Gideon has this desire in his heart 
to do something for God. And I like that. I like that attitude that if you make the effort, God will bless the effort. I've told you the story about the lottery ticket. In order to win, and I, I'm not encouraging you to buy a lottery ticket, although we've had people in this church that won a lottery ticket and gave the winnings to the church. How crazy is that? But if you're going to win the lottery ticket, it's important that you buy one. I mean, to do what God, you've got to get involved. You've got to make the effort. You've got to show up. You've got to make a commitment. You can, like Pastor Rhonda said today, if you just gave God five minutes every morning, I, I mean, it, you go, if you drink hot tea, if you drink uh, hot chocolate, if you drink whiskey, I need another sermon for you. But if you're drinking coffee in the morning and, 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 and you go someplace where it's quiet, it's alone, there's no one there, there's no noise, there's nothing, and you just drink that coffee or drink that tea, and drink that hot chocolate, and just wait, and just see what God impresses in your heart. See what God impresses in your spirit. He said, You'll sh you shall seek me and find me, Jeremiah 29, when you search, search for me with all your heart. Then she go and pray to me, and I will hearken unto you. So it's not like God is hiding. It's not like God is, God is a, a mystery, and you've got to sort it all out. It's pretty simple. If you just simply call out to God, he's going to respond back. Does that help anybody in the building? Sometimes we think that five minutes is so insignificant. It's not important. But when God created Adam and Eve to rule the world, the only thing he required of them was in the cool of the evening to set aside a time and spend quality time with them. This is the Spirit of the Lord. Walk with them in the cool of the evening. That fellowship that God was looking for 6,000 years ago when he created man and made woman is the same fellowship that God is looking for now. Draw nigh unto me, and I will draw nigh unto you. Seek me while I shall be found. Call upon me while I'm listening. Nothing has changed in 6,000 years. God's still looking for a man. God's still looking for a woman to be involved in their life, to touch them, to bless them, to change them, and help them pursue what they're supposed to pursue. We talked last week that God created you to do one thing for him he cannot do for himself. If God bragged on himself, that's conceit. But when we brag on God, that's called praise. And praise will open a door. Worship will open a window. Say that with me. Praise will open a door. Worship will open a window. So the doors and windows that are closed to you, God has the ability to open them. God has the ability to take you to them. And God has the ability to allow you to enjoy the blessings that he has promised you before you were even in your mother's womb. David said, before I was made, every thought I would ever think, every word, I, Psalm 128, every word I would ever speak, you knew what it was going to be. You're there for me. You, 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 you bless me going in. You bless me going out. You let me be the head and not the tail. And sometimes we just need to step up to the plate and say, God, if you spoke all these things, whether I feel it or not, Many times you don't go by feelings. You don't feel good. You don't feel, I mean, I mean, who wants to fast a, a meal every day for the next 21 days and then take the money of that meal and give it to people that you feel like they should be helping themselves? Anybody? I mean, sometimes God will nudge you to do things that you don't feel comfortable with. That you don't, that, that's out of your, maybe that's out of your comfort zone. To be something you've never been, you've got to do something you've never done. And if you, don't, if you don't take advantage of the opportunities and the blessings that this church tries to give you, we, we ask you twice a week to come and fellowship and be a part of the body. We ask you to worship God for 30 minutes on a Sunday. We ask you to read your Bible. We ask you to pray. We ask you to bring socks and underwear so the church is nudging you in the right direction 
they get involved in the right reasons to do the right things. Man, that's a, that's a bumper sticker right there. I'll have to listen to that back later when I'm bored. So, so, so notice, notice what happens when, when, God, when, when God sees the offering, when the Lord sees the offering that Gideon has provided, and when you bring your best to the altar, when you bring your gift to the altar, God immediately touches that gift with fire, with fire. And the word says, be hot or cold, but don't be lukewarm. I think right now that we are a generation that we have lost our first love, that first initial. I don't know where you were. I, I, can, I can probably, if I thought about it long enough, I could probably tell you what I was wearing 36 years ago when I went to church. I can take you, that church is still there. I can take you within inches of where I recommitted my heart to the Lord. I can take you within inches to the very altar, the place that God filled me, the Holy Spirit. And that same church, I can take you within inches of the place that God said, I want you to preach the gospel to the nation and to the world. I can, I can, I can, I can take you to those places. And I remember, I remember that fervor, and I remember that, that feeling and that being free of, of, of the drugs and the alcohol and the pornography and all of that junk. And, and finding every day the promises of God were new every morning. Great was his faithfulness. And I went to every revival. I went to, I went, I went to a church of, church of Christ revival where they didn't even have any instruments in there. I went, I, if I heard the doors were open, I went. If I heard there was a prayer meeting, I invited myself. I created my own prayer meetings. I invited people to come and pray with me. And we would pray all night. We would go to uh, Bob's Big Boy. We would drink about 18 to 20 cups of coffee. And then wired to the max, We'd, I had, the pastor was dumb enough to give me a key to the church. We had the church. We had the piano. We turned the sound system on. I mean, we were crying. We were singing. We were weeping. We put a chair in the middle of the altar area, and we commanded God to send Rhonda from Lee College, Cleveland, Tennessee, all the way to Westminster, California. We actually shut our eyes and laid hands on the, on the chair, and we actually thought God was going to do it. And Kelly, I remember one time, and he went to be a, to be a missionary. He, is, he went on with the Lord. But my good friend Jim that believed with me that God was going to heal my marriage, Jim had his hand on the chair, and, uh, and we all had our hand on the chair. And so I just felt impressed to lay hands on Jim and pray for Jim. And Jim thought an angel of God had touched him, and he fell out. He began to jerk, and he began to sing in tongues, and he began to levitate and, and all those things that happened. And, and, I, and I remember it. And then... We would, we would run home, take a shower. Then we'd come back to church. When the church had started, we were on the front row. I mean, we were involved. We were a part. Uh, we loved that. What happened to those days? What happened to those days? What happened to that zeal? What happened to that hunger? What happened to that desire? Before God uses you and promotes you, he wants to refire you. He wants to rekindle you. He wants that flame, that flame that will burn off the dross. Wendy, is that you? Hello, Wendy. Everybody say hello to Wendy, our precious daughter. What a joy to have you this morning. I, have you been there the whole time? Okay, kind of scared me because you've been there the whole time. I'm really losing it because I always pay attention to the front row because those are the ones that are going to protect me if somebody comes in to beat me up. The front row people are, are important. So, so. So before you dream uh, visions of grandeur and, and you have all these promises and all these desires, 
need to rekindle that fire. You need to bring you need to bring a sacrifice. You need to give yourself to the Lord. You need to lay yourself on the altar and say, do it again, Lord. It's like Samson said, Lord, just let me feel your presence one more time. Just open the door one more time. God, God, give me that, give me that hunger to devour, not just read or study or, or per se, but to devour that word. Let that, let that word become so important that I can't live without it. I've got to have it daily. I, I've got to read from it. I've got to study it. I've got to tear it apart. I've got to, I got to know it. I want to, I want to be in worship. I want to, I want to worship God. I want to praise Him. I want to twirl. I want to spin. I want to, whatever you did at a football game. However you acted a football game. Pastor Ronald was there and, and told me to be quiet, but we were, uh, Lee was playing, um, yes, Temple, and uh, I didn't agree with the, uh, the uh, is it umpire in basketball or is it referee? Referee. Well, I didn't agree with him, and I told him I did, and, and I told him what I thought about his mother. And, uh, and, uh, and, and Pastor Ronald was embarrassed she was going to leave, but on the, other side of the, on the other side of the basketball court, there was Temple. And, uh, and, and they were getting rowdy, and I was getting rowdy. And I had uh, a couple of young guys from the church with me, one on each side. And, and one part, uh, Christine, I stood up, and I shouted at the, uh, the temple crowd. I said, send your Goliath over. I mean, I was ready to fight. I was going to fight the guy because he was saying bad things about a team that I wasn't even a part of and didn't even know any of the players on the court. I just went because it was a league thing. And, and, uh, and the... the um, Referee looked at me like, okay, you're on my list. One more outburst, you're out of here. Okay, that same zeal that you would have at a, at a football game or a, I guess tomorrow night the dogs are going to massacre a roll tide. I guess is that what's going, is that what's going on? But if you, if you were there at that game and 60,000 people are pulling their hair and screaming and spilling beer all over you, you're not just going to sit there like a knot on the log. You're going to get motivated and you're going to get inspired. What is more motivating than a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger, lived a god godly life and died a horrible death and is coming back. But before he comes back, he wants to refresh us. He wants to reignite us. He wants to set your sacrifice on fire. So give something to God. And when, when, when Gideon saw that, God said, I want you to do something very important. Your people are out of order. Your family's out of order. Your city's out of order. I want you to go, and I want you to tear down the altars to Baal. And I, stir, I want you to tear down those altars. And I saw something this morning. I've read this passage of Scripture. Let me make sure. Verse 26 of Genesis 6, of, uh, I'm sorry, Judges 6. I have never, maybe it was this translation. Verse 25. On that very night, the Lord said to him, take your father's young bull and a second bull seven years old. Then tear down the altar that belongs to your father and cut down the asteric pole besides it. And I said, well, God, do they have pole dancing in the Old Testament? Does your Bible say pole? My Bible, whose Bible says pole? Wave, wave your hand. So whatever that pole, and, and just to refresh, refresh you, the God of Baal, Asherah, you went to the temple, and you had sex. And they had temple prostitutes, and they provided a prostitute. That was the way they worshiped their God. And God said, that's out of order. I made one man for one woman, holy matrimony to live together. Go tear that place down and build a significant altar. Listen, the areas of your life that you attack and you come against and you tear down, you need to replace those areas with significant things that glorify and bless God. I'm preaching good now. 
and I'm only on page one. In Judges 7, as you follow the story, as you follow the story on out, as he asks for the fleece, he gets the fleece. I believe we wore that out pretty much, that God wants to, God, God wants to fill you with his spirit, fill you with his power, fill you with his glory, that, that river of life. Jesus said, I'll give you a drink from a fountain that you'll never thirst again and get into that fleece and squeeze and a cup of water came out. And I don't know if you know anything about fleeces, but fleeces are very difficult to submerge in water. The water, if you have a fleece coat, the water just seems to run off. If you fall down and get wet, use the fleece on the inside, will stay dry. So to completely saturate a fleece with water was, was a pretty big deal. So he got the fleece, he got the, he got the command from the Lord, and then he went and went to raise up an army. And God told him this, says, listen, you got too many. I'm afraid if we win this battle, the men will get the glory. I want the glory for this one. Limit your men to 300. And you know the story. God took on an army of thousands with 300 men armed with torches, trumpets, and bases. And I wish I had time to talk about those three things, but I do not. But I want to get on through the, through the uh, actually where I wanted to go today. And the place that I wanted to go today is that God is looking for a people to, to, to please him, and God is looking for a people to bless. And it's a two-way street. And when you open a window and you begin to touch God and your praise and your worship, God allows that window to be filled with blessings that he wants you to have. If you go with me, certainly Job is a man that uh, can relate to hardship and frustration. And we heard so many stories about Job. I don't think we can ever wear that story out. Uh, the story of uh, the book of Job was probably written by Moses the 40 years he was in hiding. He probably met Job heard the story, wrote the story. You know the story. There were four friends, not three, as you read the story. And three of the, friend, three of the friends were filled with their own stuff, their own advice, their own counsel, kind of like Facebook. I've seen some of the stupidest things on Facebook, some of the stupidest comments. I Someone posted today and said, I said there, are no, there are no true disciples of Christ. I don't know the guy somehow. I accept as a friend or something, and I, I put on his Facebook, and I said, you're looking in the wrong places. Well, man, that opened, Lord, that opened. The one, and then the day, the day that I went the tithe, I opened 300. I mean, it was like, whoa, I never, and I started to say, and, and so finally I said what I had to say. Then I deleted the guy because I, like I didn't like his attitude on time. And that's the way to do it. Is that I, don't, I don't have Facebook to, to be a pain or a, Am I blessing anybody in the building? I got it to be a blessing to reconnect with friends. But the day it becomes distracting is the day that I'm going to delete it. I be careful saying that it might happen tomorrow. But Job is this guy that's got these friends. They're all speaking stuff that's all out of order. And then the youngest friend, Donnie, makes a statement. He said, I'm young, and I've been taught to honor my elders. But, but, but to be honest with you, what my elders are saying is not lining up with the word of God. And so here's what I feel like the Lord is telling me to tell you. So he writes a few chapters and in, in Job 36 and 26, he says, Behold, God is great, and we know him not. And neither can the number of his years be searched out. For he make a small the drops of water, which pour down rain according to the vapor thereof, which the clouds do drop and distill upon man abundantly. Also, can any understand the spreading of the clouds or the noise of his tabernacle? We are the tabernacle of the Lord. 
we're supposed to be making praise and worship to the Lord. But this young man asked us a question. Can we understand how rain works? And if we can understand the spreading of the clouds, we can understand the noise of God's tabernacle. Well, how many can tell me uh, how rain works? Anyone? It's a simple, I think. I think in fifth grade we've learned about rain. Okay, so if you don't know how rain works, let me tell you, let me tell you how rain works, okay? The sun, S-U-N, attracts vapors from lakes, rivers, streams, creeks, ponds, creeks, 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 uh, whatever you call a body of water. And like a magnet, like a magnet, Undo that fear my name shall the son of righteousness. Anyway, like a magnet, these vapors draw up in response to the sun's heat. And as the vapors draw up, that these vapors become clouds, and then they'll reach a certain height, then they'll lower, and rain begins to fall. And rain is essential for survival upon this planet. Rain causes things to grow. In a Y, they measure rain not by the inches, but by the feet. And if the pineapple doesn't get a certain amount of, of rain every year, it will not produce. In the Chris, Chrisfield, Maryland, the crabs come back into the, to the, co, uh, the, the cove millions and millions and millions and millions. But if there's not enough rainfall in the Chesapeake Bay, the crabs will not return to the, to the, to the coast and, and, and be, be harvested. A certain amount of rainfall every year has got to be for the salmon to go back into the rivers of the place that they were spawned. And within just a few feet of where they were spawned, they will lay their eggs and then they'll swim up river and, and die. But if, if there's not enough rain in the, in the river, the fish can't make its way into the port. So we see that rain is very important. Every crop has got to have rain. Everything you eat that comes from the, from the earth has got to have rain. That's how important rain is. So let me tell you how important rain is in the kingdom. When I drop my ham, I'd like for this section... I want you to shout at me, okay? I want you to shout glory. And I want, you to, I want you to belt it out. In this section, I want you to say hallelujah, and I want you to say it louder than the glories. And then this section is my amen. You're going you're gonna to shout amen. Okay, so now what are you going to say over here? Okay, that's a little weak. How about here? Hallelujah. And over here, we're going to sing glory. Okay, on the count of three. Salmon, you just say help the pastor, okay? When I count out on the count of three. Ready? One, one let it out. Two, three. Amen. Let's try it one more time. One, two, three. Amen. Better. Now, where'd that go? In the carpet? In the padded pew? No, it went up towards the sun of righteousness with healing in his wings. And as the praise goes up and clouds are formed, God allows the clouds to fall and showers of blessings fall upon his people. You need a job? Praise the Lord. You need a miracle? Praise the Lord. You need a healing? Praise the Lord. You need finances? Praise the Lord. He can work through those who praise him for our God inhabits praise. Praise the Lord for those chains that seem to bind you, serve only to remind you they drop powerless behind you when you praise him. Oh, can I get a witness in the house and say, praise the Lord in this house. That's what we were created to do. 
and all the perks that go with it, taking the wealth of the wicked, overcoming the obstacles in our life. That's all a part of maturing, and that's all a part of growing. For the more we become that instrument that God has called us to be and God has called to do, the more that we learn about God, the more that we become like God, and we begin to feel, fulfill His purpose for this generation. For such a time as this, for such a time as this, is God raising up, I believe, the church in the last days to do and to be what He's called us to be. In John 14 and 12, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The works that I do shall you do also, and greater works than these shall you do, because I go to my Father. In that passage of Scripture, there are some words in italics in the King James. That simply means that when they translated the Bible from the Greek, the Aramaic, the Hebrew, and the Latin, four languages that make up the Bible, when the scholars of the early... Um, 1700s King James's scholars when they translated the scripture they would add words to bring clarity to the sentence those words are all in italics if you'll notice in John 14 and 12 it says he that believeth on me the works that I do have you do also and greater than these shall you do the word works is in italics it was added I'm going to take it out just for a minute so here's what Jesus said he that believeth on me how many believers do we have talking to you the works that I do shall you do also. Well, what are some of the works that he did? He turned water into wine. He walked on the water. He raised the dead. He healed the sick. He opened blind eyes. And Jesus said, those works that I do, I want you to do them. We were watching last night, Pastor Billy, and I told you the story about the 28-year-old girl. Wendy, you haven't heard it. Uh, they were in uh, uh, Alberta, 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 Canada, Albert, Canada. They were in a meeting there, and they brought a girl to him, 28 years old, born blind. Never seen her parents, never seen her husband, had two kids, never seen her kids. Brought her up. In the process of a few minutes, God divinely healed right there in the spot in front of everybody. She looks and sees her husband the first time that she's ever seen him. Her dad was with her and saw her dad. And we're trying right now to get that testimony on Daystar, and we're prob it's probably going to happen, going to show that. But he was sharing last night the, the story that he was on a plane, and he sat down next to a woman, and on the other side of the woman was her husband, and they got to talk, and the woman was all, all sad, all beat up, all miserable. Her husband had a stroke, and in eight years, he hadn't said a word. And uh, he felt the power of God come upon him, and he said, um, he said, before this plane lands in Vegas, they were headed to Vegas, before this plane touches down, your husband's going to talk. And, of course, she was, you know, arguing he can't talk, he had a stroke, who are you? What, who do you think you are? Who do you? And he said, the Holy Ghost is going to touch him. And she said, the Holy who? The Holy Ghost is going to touch him. So the, wait, so the stewardess walks by. She says, hey, this is some kind of miracle man. And he's going to heal my husband. My husband's going to talk. And, and, and Billy kind of went. And the, the stewardess kind of went. And, uh, and so he reached over. And he, she, he said, I'm going, to, I'm going to pray for your husband. Reached over and put his hand on his heel. Had his leg crossed. He put his hand on his heel and said something, said, I forgot what the, what, just a couple of words, wasn't, wasn't, just a simple prayer, and the guy said, hi, and Billy Burke said, what, he said, hi, okay, the wife completely freaks out, he looks at the wife and says, I love you, so that's God manifest in flesh, that's the works that, that God, that, that's the work that God called you to do, but God said there's something greater 
than works. Greater than these shall you do because I go to my Father. What would be greater than laying hands upon a person dying of cancer and them to be restored? What would be greater than walking up to a person born blind and praying for them? And what, what, what could be greater than a miracle? What could be greater than seeing the manifestation of God's power and God's using you? In the Old Testament, beginning with Aaron and ending with Caiaphas, only 47 men in that entire span, 4,000 years, ever walked beyond the veil, ever stepped into the glory of God, ever saw his power manifested there through the angel wings on the Ark of the Covenant. Everyone else waited on the outside. No one had the ability to go in. No one had the ability to experience that authority, that power. Only the priest could do that. But when Jesus went to Calvary, what did he say, Kelly? It is finished. And Missy, when he said, it is finished, God from heaven took his hand and split the veil from the top to the bottom, the veil that separated God from man. God rent the veil in two, lowered that wall, and now do you know what I can do any time of day, any day of the week, any week of the year, what one man could do once a year through Yom Kippur, I can do any time I want. I can enter into his gates with thanksgiving. I can step into his court with praise. I can step before his presence, and I can what's greater than what's greater than works? Worship. What's greater than power? Praise. And when you begin to operate in the worship and you begin to operate in the praise, your expectations will increase. Your doubt will diminish and your expectations will increase. I conclude with this thought. God wants to use you to touch someone's life. As you begin to touch them, God begins to touch you. I preached a sermon years and years ago about candles and stars. And uh, I, I forgot where I was. It wasn't very long ago, a week or two ago. Uh, it's very rare to look up in the heavens and see a star fall. How many has ever experienced a falling star? You've actually looked up and seen a fire. It's kind of, it's kind of, it's phenomenal, really. It's kind of breathtaking. It's kind of, how many experienced Haley's Comet when it came through a few years ago? You actually saw that comet. Here's what's crazy about stars. When stars burn out, they're done. They'll never reignite. Their history is done. It's a done deal. When a candle burns out, another candle, a smaller candle, a weaker candle, can relight that candle, and the two can shine together. I encourage you this week to look for people whose candle's been blown out. I encourage you to look for people like Gideon, that they're discouraged, they're depressed, they're frustrated, maybe they're medicated, maybe they're, maybe they're bound, maybe there's, but you need to look at them and realize that God could use me to reignite them. God could use me to turn somebody's life around. And I promise you, the more that you do that as God speaks, more provision will come for you to be able to do what God has called you to do.